Right. I think, uh, I think I'm going to stay down here. Is that still good for me to stay down here closer? But you guys can't see me. I'll see if they get the lights on. And if I need to be up there, I can go up there as well. I just need to make sure I have an okay. Yes, so I can stay down here? All right. I think they'll, I think they'll end up adjusting the, the lights if they have to. And you guys can always move closer. You can come in closer if you'd like to. So it's, you know, totally your call. Um, yes, I'm so happy to be here. I think I was here like years and years and years ago. I just do not remember specifically. Um, but I think I might have still been a student at PC the last time I was out here. But I've been here to Orlando a number of times. Like the camp you have, camp, was it Kalakwa? I don't even know what that is. Is that right? Is that it? Oh, it is. Oh, I got it. Wow, that was amazing. So I've been out here a couple of times uh, here in the Orlando area. So uh, it's just good to be back. And Pastor Bernie, thank you for inviting me. And I did, yeah, I heard that my, my rival, um, Sam Lenore, was here uh, two years in a row. And we have a really big beef, you know. Uh, so I'm hoping to, like, crush him this week. No. <laughs> That's not what this is about. No, Sam's one of my good friends. Love that guy. He's my favorite, actually. He's my favorite. Every, every time we can, we try to bring him up to PUC uh, to share. Okay, so listen, um, on paper, we have three conversations uh, with one another. We have tonight, Friday night, and Sabbath morning. But I'm probably going to do something that may challenge you on Sabbath. I'm more than likely going to have three different messages on Sabbath morning. So if you want to be a part of the entire experience of Occupy. You're going to have to be here for all the services. And the reason why, honestly, the reason why is I have a 30-minute, kind of 27-minute um, limit, and I have so much stuff I want to talk about. So I just don't think I can squeeze all of that uh, reasonably in 27 minutes. So what we're going to do is try to see if we can do that throughout five messages. Um, it's really like all five messages are really one sermon. They're just divided into, into five conversations. So I hope you don't mind getting in the Word, and if you are challenged by anything I say, uh, say um, again, I hope it's something that you feel challenged by the Word of God. Um, and I'm willing to sit there and talk with you. You want me up there? I'm, I'm up there. Huh? Oh, in the middle. In the middle. I'm in the middle. Okay, there we go. Oh, I feel so far from you guys now, but I'm closer to them. Uh, so if, uh, if, if there's something you really feel challenged by, you can always talk to me afterwards. I'm always open to talk uh, and, and delve into the word even deeper. But I really want it to be what is read and not necessarily what is said. Um, often we, we get our theology, um, our faith from what is said. We're used to what our parents have taught us, what the preacher has taught us, our teachers have taught us. And a lot of us don't know what's actually in the word of God. And uh, so I really want to dig deep into, um, into, this, into this theme for this weekend and really understand what it means to occupy the darkness. You guys ready? All right, let's get to the gospel, a gospel according to John, the gospel according to John, starting with chapter one, gospel according to John, chapter one. I'll be reading from the NIV. I hope that's not a problem, right? No problem with that, anybody? All right. I know, there's, I know some people are very faithful KJV readers. And one time I got challenged. They said, why don't you just read the KJV? I said, well, it's easier to understand some of the more modern translations. They said, the Holy Spirit will help them understand it. And I said, well, if that's the case, let's read the Greek and the Hebrew. He said, but they won't be able to understand it. I said, the Holy Spirit will help them understand it. Language. Language can be a barrier. So I do my, I do my best to try to, to not allow... 
uh, translations to get in the way of people understanding easily the Word of God. All right, we're in chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 1 of the gospel according to John. The Word of God says this, in the beginning. That starts off like another book we know, right? The book of Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God, the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all, not some, not a few, that all might believe. He himself was not the light, but he came only as a witness to the light. The true light, in verse 9. What kind of light? The true light that gives light to the remnant. Is that what it says? The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 13, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision but, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Who are we talking about here? In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus, the light of the world, the light for everyone, the true light came. Father God, we thank you so much for this moment to connect with you as we begin our journey for this weekend. Father, we desire to know this light. Your plan from the beginning was that everyone would receive it. Father, that is our desire tonight, that everyone receives it. Help us to understand these things we ask in Jesus' name. Let everyone say, amen, 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 amen. This is powerful. In the beginning was Jesus, the word, the light. In the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning. And John is intentional about this. He starts his book off this way because he's wanting to make a connection with Genesis. If you're going to watch a Star Wars film, how does it start off? In a galaxy? You know this. It's not even spiritual. But you know this. If you see that scroll and those words, galaxy far, far away, you know this is a part of the Star Wars trilogy or part of the saga, Star Wars saga. 
In the beginning, as soon as John pins this, everyone reading says, whoa, wait a second here, what's happening? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and through this Word, all things were created. What are you talking about, John? No, this Word was the light of all men for everyone. What are you talking about? Who is this light? Who is this Word? Who was this being who was with God and was God? This Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. He's talking about the man from Nazareth. Why is this so significant? Why? why? Why did Jesus have to come to this world and be the light? In order to understand why John starts his gospel off this way, you really have to go back to the book he's parroting. Genesis chapter 1. Let's go. Genesis chapter 1. And as we read Genesis chapter 1, you're going to be surprised at how similar these books begin. Genesis chapter 1 Those of you who don't even read your Bible already know how it starts off because you've heard it so often. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and empty and what hovered, what was over the surface of the deep, it says? Darkness, right? There was darkness. There was darkness. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God creates something. What does he create first? In the beginning, God does what? Let there be light. You see how this parallels with the Gospel of John? Jesus comes into the world as the creator, and he becomes the light for all men and women. In the beginning, in the beginning, there was darkness everywhere, and God speaks into this darkness. Let there be light. Now, don't think for a second that God created the sun on the first day. He didn't. That would be later on. He created light, and he was the light. Isn't that good? He was the light. Let there be light. Can I ask you a question real quick? Why was God turning the lights on? Anybody want to know? Why was God turning the lights on? What was the point? Why was he turning lights on? Did he need to see anything? Can God not see in the dark? Why was he turning lights on? The reason why God turns the lights on is for the same reason you turn the lights on. Why, why do you turn the lights on? So you can see. So that, was really, that was deeper than that, huh? It's like, tell us, Pastor, why? Oh, my word, this is so deep. Why do the lights come on? No. So that you can see. You turn the lights on so that you can see. So that you can appreciate beauty. So you you can know where you're going so you don't stumble. So God turns the lights on. Let me ask this question. Who's he turning the lights on for? For the same reason he comes back into this world in John. It's a light for us. God was going to create something that he wanted us to see, that he wanted us to enjoy. And this is the best part of it. He turns on the lights, and then, of course, God does all his little decorating. Okay, so look, at this is what we're going to do. We're going to do the clouds right here, and then this little water, and it's going to be like, oh, this little fishies and all this kind of stuff, right? And God just starts creating this wonderful pad, this beautiful experience. He creates the birds. He creates the bees. It's the mountains and the trees, all this beautiful, beautiful stuff. And you don't really know exactly why he's doing it. You're not sure exactly why he's doing all the painting. You don't know what, if he's, is he bored? You're not sure exactly what's going on until 
until you get to the very last day and God says this, let us make man in our own image. People that have kind of uh, issues with this idea of there being God who is one but three don't ever really think about even what's said here in Genesis. God says, let us make man in our own image. Who are you talking about, God? Well, we know in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So here is God in the very beginning, God himself, who is a community himself, Father and Son. Some would say the Holy Spirit's there because the Spirit is hovering over the waters, right? So you have this, 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 this community, this Godhead that says, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness. And when God creates in his likeness, what does he create? He also creates community. The likeness of God is not Adam alone. The likeness of God is not even Eve and Adam alone. The likeness of God is all of us. It's not just a romantic couple walking along the beach saying, oh, this is our world and God loves us. And oh, you have beautiful eyes. No, your eyes are more beautiful than mine. I mean, from the beginning, God creates a third will. He sees Adam and Eve says, oh, you guys are beautiful. First commandment is what? Multiply. From the beginning, there was going to be a third. That, their first date was this, make babies. Now, of course, there's a part of that that's very romantic, but, you know, nine months later, mm. <laughs> from the very beginning, when God, when God said it's not good for man to be alone, he wasn't thinking about just Adam having a partner. He was thinking about Adam having a, a wife and, and, and Eve having a husband and also them having children and those children having children. You know, when he said it's not good for Adam to be alone, he didn't just think of Eve in isolation. He saw the whole big family. And not just the big family that was be localized in the Garden of Eden. He says, no, fill how much of the earth? The whole earth. God saw you. He saw me. He creates this world with light for us to enjoy. And it's such a beautiful experience. God actually reveals so much about himself when he creates. And I just want to share a little bit of this with you because I think it's so important at the beginning of our journey to understand this whole idea, this concept of occupying darkness. So, so God comes, he comes to this, this, this formless world, right, covered in darkness, and he creates light, right? So it's occupying this space with light, and there's a purpose behind it so that we can see, so that we can enjoy, so we can appreciate, right? So we can experience, right, the, the beauty of life. And so he does all this stuff, and in, these, in this process of creating, you learn so much about God. Like, I didn't realize this because when I was growing up, I was always taught, I was always taught that we have to give God his praise, worship him, we got to get, everything goes to him, all, it's all about him, you know, God is your number one, all this kind of stuff. So I got to a point where I just felt like everything I did had to be done for God. Now, that sounds very religious and very spiritual, and I get it, but over time, I didn't realize what a disconnect that it was. And when, and, when, and when I had children, even more so, it, it, it created more dissonance. 
Because you know what? When I had, when, when we decided to have babies, we, 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 I never thought, looking at my son, your plan and your purpose in your life is to worship me, your father. I never thought that. Did you guys think that? Anybody, any parents here? Mm-hmm. I never thought, I never wake up in the morning and think that my son's first obligation is to worship me and to give me praise for keeping him alive, for protecting him. And when you look at Genesis, you don't even see God being hyped up like that. You never even hear him talk to Adam and Eve about worship. Nowhere in Genesis. In fact, when he tells Adam it's not good for him to be alone, I'm sure Adam's like, what do you mean? I'm not alone. I got you, bro. He's like, no, no, but there's no one like you. I'm like you. I'm in your likeness. What are you talking about? What what more do I need? No, I want to create someone else. It's special where you guys can become one. Well, aren't we kind of like tight like that? No, no, no. A different kind of oneness. And 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 you'll be able to, you'll be able to fill the earth. Well, why don't you do that? You're really good at creating. No, 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 no. I want you to do that. And then I want you to name the animals. Well, I didn't create them. You name them, God. No, no. I want you to do it. It's yours. And I want you to tend to the garden. I want you to rule over. I I want you to be the ruler. You see this God who like almost like steps down from a throne and gives the pen to Adam and says, you put your signature on it. (laughs) You name the animals. You have dominion. Here's the keys to the Ferrari. Enjoy it. It kind of throws you off a little bit. And then then then, then, then you read these verses like God came in the cool of the day, right? Like he just shows up, like, you know, he just, just, hey, what's up? What's going on, guys? Not God was present the entire time. Adam and Eve could not run from him. They could not hide. He was in all places at all times. No, it sounds like he just showed up as a visitor, as a guest, knocked on the, knocked on the door. Adam and Eve, where are you guys at? This almost unassuming figure. Even after Adam and Eve fall, God begins to ask questions. Where are you guys? He doesn't kick the door down. He doesn't come in with the, 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 the angel SWAT team. He doesn't force himself upon Adam and Eve. He comes like a gentleman and says, hey, guys, where are you? Well, what happened? Well, who told you that? What? There's this beautiful picture of God. And watch this. Watch this. This one's going to blow you away. In chapter 2, after he's done giving birth to all of this for our sake, you know, and we able to experience life after doing that, in chapter 2, it says that he rested on the day. He blessed it because he had finished his work. He made it special. When I was growing up, my mom would tell me, she'd say, this is the Lord's day. I expect you to get up on time and make it to Sabbath school. And if we were dragging, oh, she would get on us. Oh, you can get ready for school, but you can't get ready for Jesus. (laughs) After all he's done for you. Anybody ever been guilted like that? Oh, man, we had, we had the Sabbath police. We couldn't, no, no secular talk, man. You bring, a, you bring up any kind of, I mean, back in the 80s, but you talk about Michael Jackson, you're in trouble. Mm-mm-mm. You can't even say Jesus' name. But you're going to talk about that filth. Right? So I used to, I used to feel that way. 
then as I got older, I started to realize that the Sabbath wasn't created for God. Sabbath wasn't even created as a celebration of God. In fact, there's no place where you see that. In fact, God, in his own words, Jesus Christ, in his own words, the one who is Lord of the Sabbath, the one who designed it and created it, told us what the purpose was. The Sabbath was made for you. He could have easily said the Sabbath was made for me because look what I did. He said the Sabbath was made for you. Why are you burdening yourselves? And when... Listen, when my wife gave birth to my son, which was amazing, she's, Iris is kind of interesting. She's like a, she's one of those like really like natural, naturalists, like everything has to be natural, right? Natural. Like, I mean, if she could, I'd be, I think everything would be just grown like in the backyard and we, we just, just <laughs> no knives, no forks. I mean, she's just very... She re- everything organic, everything. And so, so she, when, when we, we had Nathan, it was, it was in our house. No epidural. Nope, I don't want anything in my system that can do it. And she's a nurse. She's a lactation consultant. She deals with this all the time in labor delivery. So she's like, nope, I've seen it. Absolutely not. So we went to all these classes where these, you know, a bunch of people that feel the same way. Nope, no epidural. No, 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 no. Right? And there's a bunch of husbands there supporting their wives. Like, we don't know what's going to happen, but you got it, honey. And so, so check this out. So, 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 so the day comes, you know, she's going through the 20, like 28 hours of, of labor. Not all active labor, but 28 hours, man. It was, it was just, I, I, listen, this was all happening when people were talking about women in ordination and stuff like that. And I was just like, after, after that experience, after I saw what my wife did, that like She-Ra Wonder Woman moment where she just... Oh, I, I was just like, I was like, women, you are overqualified. <laughs> overqualified to be pastors, overqualified to be the president of the United States. Being a mother is the highest office in the universe. Like, I've never seen anything like it. And I, I remember that moment feeling so weak as I saw my wife just like, you know, when you're supposed to encourage, honey, you're bringing our son to us. Keep going. You can do it. And I mean, and then she hit this place where it was like, it was like she went into like this other zone where she couldn't even, she couldn't talk. It was so, I mean, listen, it was a, it was a beautiful experience. It really was. I mean, she, you know, she probably wasn't as beautiful for her, but for me, I was just like, ah, you know? And so, so my son was delivered and everything like that. And the midwives were like, oh, here's your baby. I was just like, ah. It was just so amazing. I started crying and, and, and laughing at the same time. And I told myself I would never record something like this. I never understood parents that would record this mess. I said, don't record this. Who are you going to show? <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. I can't imagine a child one day saying, Mom, I want to see how I came into this world. Who wants to see that? But for some reason, it was recorded. I do not remember ever grabbing my phone and pushing record, but I did. I just said something happened. And I'm, and I'm recording all, and then my son, and then I'm like, ah, and it was like, <gasps> that moment was like magical. And you want to know what happened? The very next day at 12.25 p.m., I honored the minute he was born. The very next day, I was watching the clock, 12.25, I looked at my son. <laughs> You were born this time, yes, 
And so that time became sacred to me. And let me tell you, something clicked for me in that moment. This is what God did when he created the Sabbath. He was so happy that he said, oh, they're beautiful. It's all beautiful. It's all good. I'm going to do one more thing. God, you've done enough. No, no, I'm not done. I'm going to create one more thing for you guys. This day right now is special because I was in six days of labor, active labor. And I, I made you. And I'm going to celebrate this day every single week. Every time my son's birthday comes around, this is what I'm doing. I should be celebrating Iris. She's the one that did all the work. But you know, we celebrate him. Five years, celebrate him. He didn't wash any dishes. He didn't sleep any floors. All he did was cost money, ask for things, no back rubs, nothing, nothing. But his birthday comes around and we just celebrate him. That's what God does. The Sabbath day is a day that is a celebration of just you. And then God gave it to you and said, I'm going to be very firm on this, no working. What? No fair. No, no, no. This is nothing. You sit back and you enjoy it. This is a holy day. It's a holiday. So I don't want you going to work. And it's going to be a day of holy convocation, according to Leviticus 23, which means we all get to come together because that's what makes holidays so much fun is that we don't have to work and we all get to come together. And according to Nehemiah chapter 8, you guys better eat the best food. Everybody. And if you don't have enough food, find a home that does have food, but everybody must be celebrating. In fact, Nehemiah chapter 8 says it's a day of joy, a day of rejoicing, no crying, no mourning. It's a happy Sabbath. And this is what God gave to you. Now, I know we have time to talk about this another time. I know what we've done to this day, all right? I know. <laughs> it ain't always happy. I know we've made this day a work day in a lot of ways trying to do all our meetings, trying to do all our ministry on one day. I know. But what I want you to understand is going back to creation, all this stuff that God did was about you. Everything. Even giving the responsibility for Adam and Eve to tend to the garden. It was always about you. The light coming into the world at the beginning of creation was about you. He wanted you to see the light coming into the world after we fell was still about you. He wanted you to see. And of course, Adam and Eve were very happy. They had never had a day of depression. They had never known what it was like to be anxious. They never knew what it was like to be without. And one day, they're at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which God placed in the middle of the garden right next to the tree of life. Initially, I had problems with this because I felt like God, somehow, he kind of almost booby-trapped the paradise, right? Like, you don't put a red flashing light and say, don't touch the kids, right? You just don't do that. 
But God puts it there. Initially, I was upset and said, God, why would you do that? Until I dug deeper and I realized something else was going on here. Also revealed in the book of Genesis. God is not a liar. God is not shady. God does not cover up. God is honest. God is transparent. And at this time in in the universe's history, there was another person campaigning to be the president. There was another person who was campaigning saying, change you can believe in. Let's make the garden great again. And he wanted a platform, and he wanted to be able to, he wanted to, be able to, to, to parade his ideas and his thoughts and his propaganda. He wanted to be able to, 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 to hit the campaign trail and be able to present his new world order. He wanted people to see that God wasn't the way that he, he portrayed himself. There was something else darker behind God that even though he portrayed that he was all about light, there was something about him that was more insidious. And so Satan at this time was just Not even an enemy at this point wasn't even the adversary. He was just somebody else presenting a new way to live. And God gave him the penthouse and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, prime real estate right next to the tree of life. In other words, God did not put parental lock on the cable. He could have done that. He could have allowed the tree of knowledge of good and evil to be in the middle of the garden, or he could have put it in the corner. Could have put those two fiery angels with the lightsabers and guarded it back then, right? He could have done that. Don't eat the fruit. We can't. You got lightsabers. We're not going to get close to it. God puts it right in the middle. Once they reach out to the tree of knowledge, I mean, the tree of life, they can see the tree of knowledge of good and evil right there. And the serpent can just talk to them. Yeah, what's up, guys? Hey, what's up, neighbor? How things going? Oh, man, having another good day. We had a great week. Great week. Right now, we're just enjoying the Sabbath. Oh, that's great. That's great. And then the serpent says this, have some fruit. You've been working hard today. I see you, Eve. I see you, girl. You're working hard. You're thirsty. Have something to eat over here. Oh, no, I'm good. I got the tree of you know, life right here. I'm good. Girl, let me tell you something. I've had that, what you had. I've had that. This is better. Oh, well, no. We, we've been told that fruit isn't really good for us. Who told you that? Well, you know, the creator. Hmm. <laughs> He's such a hater. He knows that the day you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be open. In other words, you'll see the light. You'll understand the real truth. And you will be like God. But I, I, I am like God. He, he told me that We were created in his likeness. Is that what he told you? Yeah, he told me the same thing. Now look at me. I'm telling you right now, he power trips. He told you you guys have dominion over the world. Is that what he told you? Yeah, he did. He's the boss still. You don't have any real choice. You better do what he says or he's going to kill you. Is that what he told you? Well, he said if we took the fruit, we would die. No, no, no. If you take the fruit, he's going to kill you. That's what he's going to do. Do you know where I used to live? I used to live with him. I used to be right next to him. I used to be in his very throne room. But one time I came up with my own idea, shared it with him, and he threw me out. 
And anyone else who, who took my side and, and, and saw, saw that there was some wisdom in what I was saying, he threw them out as well. We've all been made like animals. Rats, flies, look, look at, we're, we're, we're not angels anymore. Look at me. I'm telling you right now, he's a liar, he's a hater, he power trips, and girl, he doesn't really want you to be happy. And for the first time, for the first time, Eve now is experiencing unhappiness. Even though she's not unhappy and she's had perfect happiness and she has everything anyone could ever want, she's now experiencing unhappiness. You mean I'm not like God? You mean I, I don't have this? You know, I don't have the latest iPhone. What's going on? I don't understand what's happening. I'm not with him. I'm not with her. I don't know what's going on. I'm so, I'm so miserable. I don't even like my parents. I don't like my school. I don't like my church. My church has too many rules. Everything has so many rules. I can't stand it. I'm just miserable. The serpent tempts her to become what she already is. And this is why it's so important. To know the light. Darkness has a way of working at us in such an incremental way that, that we don't even know we're falling into darkness. Everything the serpent said actually was true just out of its context. And that was enough to throw Eve off. When we talk about light coming into this world, light coming into your heart, light coming into your space, God is doing this for you. He's tired of seeing you so miserable, so dissatisfied. Talking about my son, I look at my boy, my boy is not insecure. My son will walk around the house naked. He never once, never once looks in the mirror and says, Dad, look at this. I don't have any abs. Look at this. I need to, I need to work out. I need to. Can I bench press? Never. He, he doesn't know, he doesn't know there's anything different about himself. He's not going to be insecure until someone tells him, what are you? Are you black? Are you white? Are you Puerto Rican? What are you? He's not going to know anything's wrong until someone says he's too skinny or too short. We learn insecurity. We learn dissatisfaction. Without somebody teaching us that, we would be happy. So that's why light must come and occupy. Because we have chosen to live in darkness, not knowing how beautiful and wonderful and peaceful and joyful life could actually be. We have become so familiar with darkness, so familiar with listening to the lies and believing them, that it has become our reality and the only thing that we know. Our music is depressing. Don't act like it's not. It is. And that's why you love it. Oh, that song is so deep. I know. It's talking about taking our life. And oh my God, I'm so there. Nobody listens to happy music. When's the last time you listened to a, a happy hip-hop song? Anybody? You remember like original hip-hop? <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, it's cartoonish. Now? Oh, come on, man. If, you, if, you're, if, you, if it's the latest stuff, you mad, you angry. You don't even know what you're mad about. So God has come into this world to be a light for everyone. Do you believe that? Amen. Hebrews chapter 1, we are closing on this. Hebrews chapter 1 says this, that in the beginning, 
God spoke in many different ways through many different people, prophets, dreams, visions. But in these last days, he speaks to us through his son, who is the perfect radiance of the Father. The perfect light, the perfect glory, the exact, it says, the exact representation of the Father. And so that's why Jesus comes. In the past, he spoke through David, he spoke through Moses, he spoke through Joshua, he spoke through Daniel, and we were never perfect reps. We never got the full light. Jesus says, I will come myself. When when God came in the cool of the day, Adam and Eve heard his footsteps and they ran. Did they run because God had changed? Did they run because God banged on the door? Did they run uh, run because God had heat vision, he was about to destroy them? They ran because sin distorts our minds. Sin, it darkens our vision. Sin will, will make us think that God is now Godzilla. God was walking like he normally walks, but now he sounded like he was stomping because sin messes with our mind. They run away. God says, where are you? And we run. God says, why are you scared? You, we are scared because you're scary. I'm not scary. You were just, you were just, we were playing hide and go seek the other day, but now you're staying hidden. So that's why God comes. He says, they're running from me because I'm too scary. But maybe if I come just like them, they'll stop running. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He came into this world as a light for all men, for you. Let him occupy the darkness. Father God, thank you so much for this sacred space that we have. Father, we've been living in darkness for so long that even the sound of your voice is scary. The thought of you coming is scary. The thought that you exist is often scary. The darkness has blinded us for so long that even traces of light, just glimmer of light, terrifies us. We have been told a lie about who you are. We have been told a lie about who we are. So now we want to know the truth. Occupy this darkness. Light of the world. Come into this darkness and let us see. Beauty that has made this heart adore you. May this journey bring us to a place where we see you, God, face to face. These things we ask in your name, Lord. Amen.